Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, Senior Editor at Food & Wine. And my guest today is a delightful fellow who's asked us to call him Ishmael. But he is the uh, co-creator, supermodel, co-author of everything Big Gay Ice Cream. Testatrix. <laughs> I think that, that term has something to do with the what? person who reads the will or something, the testatrix. Okay. I had a friend is... becoming a notary who was studying to be a notary public. Okay, this was... is one of my dreams. To, to become... be a notary public? Yes. Uh, I think it's important to have small dreams. One of them was to become an election worker, which I did. I had a friend who, and he and his wife both studied court stenography. What, is that oh, what the person's name, yeah. stenographer? And you know, yeah, with the little machine. Yeah, and it, it was really, really intense that training. Yeah, the notary public, I think, is a little bit less intense, but you get a stamp, you get a seal. I think there's a strangers with candy with a notary public or something like yes. that. Yes. Oh no, it's a calculator that Chuck Knobloch right. has. We're gonna add up your score, Jerry, and see what career you should have. <laughs> Chunky whore. <laughs> Is that a Wait. flavor of big gay ice cream, by the way? Uh, no, yeah. Uh, Glint would be, but it's too much of an inside joke. For the right event, that'd be fantastic. Right. Okay, so you and I go back a bit. In fact, uh, for folks who are just listening, I'm reaching down into my big gay ice cream bag to pull out photographic evidence of the first time that Doug and I met. Whoa. I it, have no idea what's You about don't to remember this. Okay, so we met on a shoot for. Oh, 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 oh! When, back when we were deemed like social media goddesses. In, uh, in, in, uh, <laughs> Paper Magazine in May 2011, uh, Duran Duran is on the cover of this magazine. And I don't remember how this happened, but somebody reached out. They were doing the Twitter Tribes of New York. and Oh, that's right. It was different groups. Yeah. So you and I were in- We were the, the foodie, food foodies with, or the, the food trend people or whatever. With Crap. Tom Colicchio, yep. Kate Crater, and Michelle Humes, who has a great new book out, by the way, The Noodle Soup Oracle. Is it about- Soup? It is. It's about uh, noodle soup. Um, if it's, you... it's not some sort of metaphor. It's l- no, no. It's actual. Okay. okay. There, the social media uh, mania issue is uh, is is this. Um, so it's, what is this, like 2011? 2011, yeah. And, uh, and I will say you were picked because Big Gay Ice Cream had... It was born out of a lot of social media. Here we are. Okay, I wish people could could see this. Maybe we'll include it in the write-up uh, for this. My hair is down. Do you remember what's um, wrong with me in this photo? Oh, yes. You have an extra foot? I oh yes, three feet. Yes. I, I, was, I was inserted from a, another photo or something, and they forgot to take out the feet on the other one. Actually, you can see, yeah, there's one, two, three feet. Because he's wearing a checkered Vans, is that, or, or uh, a checkered what? loafer? That was actually a, a shoe company that gay, Marcus Samuelson used to endorse, and I oh, can't remember the right. name of them. Oh, and there's uh, and also Marco Canora is in this picture. Uh, I don't know how they decided uh, to put us all together, but there we are. And uh, that was the first time that we met. We were in the dining huh. room at... Uh, at Calicchio and Yes. And, and I just, it was ramp season because Tom had us eat pizzas on oh, ramps. Oh, right. Yes. And I, I just thought it was the loveliest thing because I had known of uh, Big Gay Ice Cream. I think I had been following you on Twitter. You had seen me on the Beekman Boys uh, reality show. Right. And it's actually, and I have a, my friend Andy, who you actually tweet back and forth with a little bit. His name on Twitter is House, House of, of Rakes. Rakes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the one. You know, I used to watch Beekman occasionally, but he was like, watch out for this woman cat on there. <laughs> watch out for the goth. She makes the show when she's on it. Oh, but. my gosh. Well, so it's it's been such a funny thing to see the progression of this picture because, well, the, the Beekman 1802 boys since then have created an empire with their dairy farm, 
which is they sell on Home Shopping Network, QVC, yeah. all all of those things, and it's really blown up hugely. Tom Colicchio, well, he's always been Tom Colicchio, and, and always will be. I, I am a I'm impressed by how Tom puts his politics out there and just does not care what it's going to do to his brand. He believes what he believes. It's it's really impressive. But it's he, it's I mean I can't imagine doing it. But. Okay, though, at the same time, you launched out the gate with uh, calling your business Big Gay Ice Cream. But there's no, we never had any agenda behind it. Okay. And in fact, you know, when we called it Big Gay Ice Cream, that was a placeholder name for the Facebook group I create. Let me stop back. Up. Yeah, let's let's rewind. Let's go back into. So, the... I mean, the whole thing. Brian and I decided we would do this ice cream truck because I wanted to do something okay. bizarre for the summer, which was <laughs> um, my my need to live out my own version of the Santa Land Diaries, save David Sedaris. Okay, and you at this point, were you a still a professional bassoonist? Yeah. Oh, and I stayed one for a couple of years. Um, but, you know, I was always impressed, because, well, first of all, Santa Land Diaries is just, it's, I mean, it's brilliant that... For, for it's, people who don't know, it's uh, David Sedaris wrote, uh, everybody knows, it's actually like a, a diary of working as a an elf at Macy's. For the hell of it. Because yeah, he, I mean, he David Sedaris is one who plunges himself into situations just to write about them. Like, who who is the? Oh, one? he did the Fitbit story where he was walking like, uh, you know, hundred thousand steps a day or how something. How he uh, one of them was how he always asked taxi drivers a certain questions uh, in, in various countries, like, what does the chicken say? And oh, or something like that. And what do you? What happens um, the night before Christmas in your in your culture? Oh, I like And you know that. there are, there are ones where you know the crack Kraken. Wait, not the Kraken. Krampus actually oh. factors in for real still. Yeah, I, do you I remember love. The, do you remember the no reservations with the Krampus? Oh yes, there there was a, there was an episode with an animated uh, Krampus sequence that I think was deemed too much for TV, so they had to air it online. I, no, it it was on TV, but they had a fight. Yeah, and they had a fight, and it was one of Tony's things where it was like, I'm, "It's going to be in there, <laughs> done." Yeah, the, I, I, the Krampus, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the idea of children being horrified and terrified around a holiday if it's going to go I, well or if they're going to be butchered. It's. I think living with we, we were right before this we were talking about sort of being Catholic and all the um, strangeness and terror that uh, goes up with uh, growing up Catholic um, because you were talking about that your aunt had eleven children and the I'm, milk I'm machine. From, in I'm her from house. seven. Okay. Wow. So, and the first and the last were not terribly premeditated. My husband <laughs> is, I think, uh, seventeen years younger than his. Next that's the same. Sibling. That's the same spread in my but family. They're not Catholic. They just. Like to have fun, I guess. I'm the youngest of seven by 17 years with the the age span, and my husband is the youngest of seven with a 17-year age span, which is really, really ridiculous. That's really... And there's also about the same gap between us and the next oldest. And I think in my case, it's nine years and... 11 years, and his it's nine years or something like that. Yeah. So we were both sort of accident babies, obviously. Because yeah. no one... My, I think keep thinking, my father is... He was still a year older than me right now when I was born, and the idea of like having a ugh, oh, no way! My goodness, I, I'm I'm thinking of yeah. My husband's parents were I think 43 and 50 or so when he when he was born. And was that a pre, did they want uh, to be pregnant? Um, as uh, pardon me for doing it. I I never met him. My my father-in-law he passed away before I met Douglas. But he used to say, would, Doug, if that rubber didn't have busted, I don't know what me and your mama would have done. <laughs> the floodgates opened. Yes. They're not even Catholic. 
Yeah, but we were going back to you being a bassoonist and needing a summer oh, project. Okay. So yeah, and I I was looking out for stuff to I do. I didn't take my ADHD medication today, by the way. I we did. started with that. Okay, yeah. Doug I and did. I have a long text uh, thread about our medication. So. Yeah. And I took Seroquel last night too late, so it's been taking a while to wake up this morning. Okay. I'm glad you're here, though. I'm too. I'm glad I wake up. I woke up. Waking up is really hard when I'm you have usually, a broken brain. I'm usually glad I wake when I wake up. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard zipping your person suit on uh, a whole lot of days. <laughs> my human suit over my alien interior <laughs> skeleton. Who knows? Do you remember Weekly World News? Oh hell yeah, Bat Boy. There was a great, of course, Bat Boy. <laughs> there was a great thing in there about how if someone is clumsy. <laughs> If someone is clumsy, it's usually because they are an alien, um, <laughs> an alien spy on Earth wearing a human body that doesn't. They don't feel comfortable in the human body that they have on over their interior. <laughs> so, so if somebody trips all the time, it's probably an alien with a cumbersome human suit on. Pro- probably. Cheers! <laughs> Cheers to that. Sipping my coffee and as I fall out of my chair and that become a suspect. Yes, I already <laughs> suspected, but uh, whatever comes out, I will love it. Okay, so <laughs> so yes, you're you're you're. Okay. I was just I did, I had wanted a summer job. Another factor here, I was working on my doctorate at the time at City University of New York in, in music, soon performance, yeah, and doing a doctoral program is tough. And going yeah. to a, I discovered after going to two conservatories that going to a real school is tough. And CUNY is a real. School. What's the difference between a conservatory and a school? A conservatory. Pretty much every th- class you take is a music focused somehow. Okay. I mean, if you're an undergrad, you end up taking humanities classes, but you don't go there for, you know, a great, a strong core cur- curriculum. Your core yeah. curriculum is music performance. Yeah. Which is a really, really limited scope. Yeah. Um, and like, I never took a bibliography course, and I had my master's degree, so, um, you know, I got to CUNY for my doctorate and had to take this. Um, bibliography course and I was like this is like I'm actually learning stuff and this is hard and I have to research and study and did you like it or I not I loved like- it yeah I loved it and I discovered you know okay, one of my great devices if I'm going to remember, remember anything it's a lot of work but I have to transcribe it and not transcribe it I have to read it and comprehend it and then write it out in my own in my own that I do yes thought I, process yeah I mean I really have to internalize it otherwise it's completely gone like mm-hmm. I you know passed my French proficiency and everything I, I can barely utter a word now because but could it you write stick it stick that way um, I was okay with writing it mm-hmm. but it, it, I you know I, you can only write the rules uh, anyhow <laughs> so I was working on my doctorate and the winter of that year I decided for the summer I wasn't going to do anything about music because um, that May, I will have, in the coming May, I need to take my comprehensive exams. And I think after that, I'm going to be tired and I'm going to want a summer off from music okay. for the What's, first time ever. What year? 2009. Okay. The year we started. Okay. And then when you're comprehensives, <clears throat> what happens with that? Okay. So you have written and oral comprehensives and and they are, the, the heads of your depart, the department just ask you questions you have to do a, you have four hours to go write answers are they about structure are they about history they're or? about anything that you may have studied wow anything oh my goodness and yeah and part of uh, a great part of the oral ones is if you don't know the answer you have to give your best answer and then support it which is really a really great thing to do you know yeah it, it that's something that you have to internalize all of 
all of the things about CPE Bach and then write why it might be another Bach, you know, things like that. It's it's really oh fun. Oh, my God. But it's so much work because basically you have to go study the entire history of Western music and all the theory behind Western music, and you have to study the uh, – language proficiency you want to pass too so there it's a full wow. day for each test it might have been two days for one of them that's exhausting it's a yeah so when you study for that all you can really do is say i'm going to study all day every day for you know as long as i can dedicate to it and yeah it was really incredibly fulfilling and passing that oh. and also having my um first proposal my doctoral thesis uh, what approved. was your thesis subject? It was going to be on a, a Mozart piece that may not be by Mozart. Oh! And, and that if so, if it is by him, it's not fully realized. It's not. It should have been. It should have been a bassoon concerto instead of a bassoon solo uh, with cello. That kind of thing. Like maybe what yeah. it is is a sketch that he did. Um, and I wanted to trace the history of that and go look at documents on it and yada yada yada. And they liked that idea. So between. Getting that approved, doing all the comprehensives, I was like, I'm going to take the summer off. I always yeah. went to a music camp. I always did something during the summer. Uh, so I started looking on Craigslist for weird jobs. <laughs> How do you look specifically for weird jobs? Like, is there a particular filter with their keywords? No, you just comb through, which is part of the fun also because there are horrible, horrible jobs out there. They're so yes. mundane. What was the worst thing you saw? Um, the worst, uh, no, well, I mean, the yeah. thing that I definitely didn't want to do was be at the counter at Barnes and Noble. And I don't really know why, but it, it felt like working around books would be depressing because it, you wouldn't get to do anything with them. You'd be, I don't know. I, I worked at, I, uh, I don't know why. I worked I, at HMV as a cashier there during a holiday season. Really? Oh, that was so intense. People are so mean. Really? I, I couldn't work retail in this city. I mean, it's it hard was... enough with our customers. And our customers come to us because they want to have fun. Oh, yeah. Except when they come because they want to be nasty. I mean, yeah. Brian always said there are customers that you, you know, you want to, you need to fire. Yes. And sometimes there are customers you just, can't, you, can't, you can't get them on board. Yeah. Um, I, and also, since you have staff, I mean, this I, I've seen a whole lot of talk about this. Like, your staff realizes, like, you're protecting them if you fire these customers because they're more important to you than terrible people. A couple of days ago, I came into a West Village store, and the manager was downstairs with one of the counter staff, and she was in a fit. She was locked up. And I asked what happened, and a customer really was a dick to her, you know. Oh. And, and he was reaching over the counter and stuff like that. And she probably got... A little snippy too quick uh -huh. but he really went off on her and Ugh. it was really rough and i Why talked to her like I, I you know i talked to her though about when somebody is horrible to you all you you should just stand there and smile and know that it'll drive them nuts and I, and i also told her the louder they get the quieter you get yeah because that drives angry people insane yeah you know you you really think you're gonna do that to me well what i'm gonna do is mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Yeah, that, you say that to them. And I said to her, and always remember that some people you can't please, mm -hmm. and some people don't want you to be happy. Just get quieter and quieter. Take it, and then, you know, yeah. it's over. Don't don't engage, because yeah. then it's going to escalate. And, you know, it was it's kind of fun sometimes to, to be the dad. You know, yeah. And, uh, because my dad um, used to let us fail, you know, and yeah. then he would come around if he needed to, but he, he... That's important, really, truly. I, you know, what at the time I thought was getting ignored, he was 
uh, hovering. And I realized it was a completely different thing that I expected. You know, my dad and I didn't have a lot of similar interests. You know, he mm-hmm. was he liked to run stats on football, and and all that. And I, it took a long time before I realized that he was actually watching everything. And yeah. when I did need correction, he was there. Yeah. You know. Uh, so. Anyhow, how did how did the person process it once you told them that? I, you know, I could see her go from this to this. Yeah. And it had never, the whole get, getting quieter thing, uh, I think when people learn about that idea, they realize it's been played on them before and how well it worked. Yeah. You know? Because some people... And it, also monitoring your body language, you know, just kind of standing... Yeah. And not... Or like open up your, your body and just seem very allow relaxed. Allow your and, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, do everything you can to make them feel like it's not having any effect on you. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess people come in there, and I, I've had this discussion with various people who work in restaurants and things. They <laughs> Like some people, you can't unpiss off some people if they come in pre-pissed off. Oh, yeah. And, and, and ready, there are people who come to restaurants ready to change the menu. Oh, yeah. Which I... I can't take, I can't take it. Unless you're allergic to something, a good, you know, a good restaurant, the chef has, a, he's composed this thing. It's mm-hmm. not that he threw or items she. on there. Uh, sorry, yes. Or them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They. they. <laughs> um, sorry to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, I don't have to preach to the choir here, yeah. but just to, to go into a place and have them say, well, may they, well, you know, I like avocado, but I don't think I would want it on there. Well, there's uh, there's that, a reason uh, it's there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I have a really hard time with that. Order it their way. Yeah. And fortunately, in our case, you know, ice cream is not, it, it's dairy is expensive. However, the compromise of losing a little money versus gaining a, a customer, a repeat customer. So if somebody comes in and says, well, I want a salty pin, but I don't want any salt on it. At the truck, I always used to say, here's what we're going to do. I am going to make you a salty pin. And if you don't like it, I'll make you another cone for free. And you won't pay anything. If you like the salty, maybe you have to pay for it. And they always went with my baby. <laughs> and you know, I, I always won. I worked on your truck one time. Yes, and at Food, Southern Foodways Alliance. That was I, I say this very truly. That was one of the best afternoons I've ever had. It's hard work, isn't it, when you start it's flying? So hard. we how many? We had several hundred people in yeah. line. We were giving out cones for free, and the deal was so people had just been sitting in these talks that were really pretty emotional. Um, ben Mims uh, wrote. He's or, coming he, out. Yeah. Oh yeah, he he, uh, he he he's at the L.A. Times uh, now, but he had been at I think it was at Severe. He is. Well, no oh, wonder I never see him in Washington yeah, Heights anymore. Yeah, because he moved to <laughs> he used L.A. He to live a couple blocks away. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's doing great stuff at the L.A. Times. But I think when he was at Severe, he wrote about this um, particular, like, southern cake that they were eating when he came out to his family. And he got rejected in a lot of ways, So he, but it's still a connection to his family, like, eating this thing. And then um, there was a documentary about Bill Smith, who was this incredible chef in the South. Um, actually, it was about Bill Neal and Bill Smith, like two uh, gay chefs who had been at Crook's Corner in, in uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So not a dry eye in the house. It was like super emotional. And everybody gets to come outside to the truck and have ice cream. And I think you had fallen in a hole. Oh, yeah. I was John <laughs> uh, Currents. Yes. Currents. I was walking from we, – we were – Working at, we had the ice cream truck the night before at one of his restaurants. A snack bar, and I think. his his uh, commissary was uh, like two blocks away, and we had gotten a bottle of of Jack Daniels and we were drinking <laughs> it while we worked. Um, 
and <laughs> as one does, we, oh, yeah. Uh, and I had to run back to the commissary to get whipped cream, and I stepped in the dark into an open. It was a culvert. Yeah, it was something that should have been covered, and went down in, and and some sort of horrible torsion happened on my knee, and that night I ended up at an emergency room even. Yeah. And so the next day we did our event and I never felt any pain. I've never felt pain when I'm making ice cream. Like I go into a place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a knee brace on and I'd been at the hospital the night before. I couldn't, I didn't know. You sort of said like, oh, something happened, but you didn't <clears throat> tell me what it was. And you just said, you're working the truck. And I said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's And it's funny because actually having... In in my case, having a second person on the truck really hurts, even if they yeah. even if they know what they're doing. Yeah, it's there's not a lot of space. <laughs> there's not a lot of space, and um, it, to go into that place that I used to have to go to make you know 800 cones in you know four hours or whatever yeah. for, at events. Um, I told my shrink about this one time. I said, you know, I would lose time. It it was during it, during this. It it was it just went by. I never wanted to stop. I I could keep on going. I was in this euphoric state that day. It, um, my shrink said it's called the it's called flow, F L O W, not F L O the waitress, <laughs> and it's the mental state that marathoners go into where they're no longer running. Yeah, you know. Yeah, which is unfathomable to me, but I kind of get it. Yeah. Um, there's no way you can run that many miles when you in your head are running that many miles. You just they hit the place and they run. So at that day we we worked our butts off and 15 minutes after it was over I was screaming. That's I think when I went to the hospital. Right. Yeah, cuz cuz I think before you were just sort of gritting and doing it. Yeah. No, that that's what happened. I remember now I hadn't gone to the hospital yet because I worked the truck in the morning and that afternoon yeah. and did, there was no pain during it. I, and I just remember it was so emotionally intense because, like, the fact that you asked me to do that, I took it really seriously, and so I no, was. No, you, you, you did your best. You worked the window, I, and and you actually had the the duration of engagement down right, which is you want everyone to connect with you, but you also yeah. need them to get the hell away so you can serve the next person. And now I, I wanted each person to have a very present moment in this. And I'd be like, are you ready to have the biggest, gayest day ever? Wow. And I needed them to, and I got into uh, this, the state of engagement with each different person and they were there and they were present. And I was, there was one person who didn't want the cone they wanted to. Yeah. And I was trying to smile my way around that. And everybody was like, you're holding them. I had to remake it like three times and other people were taking it, but people had to take what they were given. They couldn't order. Oh, that's right. There were, I think there were two different ones that we made, something like that. Yeah. You were, you were doing the olive oil one and you were doing some chocolate ones. You were doing some twists and it was either plain cone or salty pimp or sprinkle cone or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember I was so the adrenaline kicked in and I just I got into this crazy space. And I was also in a sort of funny space. I had just left CNN. I was about to start tasting table. So it was in this like weird liminal uh, like kind of, of, yeah. of thing. But I thought it was such an emotionally powerful thing. And also, everybody's in the mood to be given free ice cream. That was so. What a! It felt like a gift to that, get to that, do that. That was a good part of doing giant festivals. Was be, yeah, the people really wanted to be there, and they really, for the most part, want really wanted to enjoy food. Yeah, you know, uh, there are people who go to hyped places and they go there to hate it. Yeah, 
Um, and there's always going to be that. We, and we still get people who say it's it's not real ice cream. It's soft serve and things like that, oh which God. is it, they're they're the same thing. There are different ratios of stuff in it, but. And, and the thing is, the thing I know about you, too, is you are so careful about your ingredients. Yeah. You know, the the tricky part about having an ice cream shop that dresses up soft serve, you know, you assume that an ice cream shop, all you have to do to work there is know how to reach in and scoop something, essentially. Yeah. And at our place, everyone has to be trained how to make every cone. And that's tricky. To, yeah. to make sure that everyone knows how to make a salty pimp correctly is... Um, whereas if they scooped it, you know, I would always be, I would always be, um, assured of the base quality of it, you know? Right. So by having the right ingredient ingredients, hopefully you get that much closer to, to duplicating the same thing every time, but, and having it work, ha- not having oil separate out on you because you're putting dulce de leche into cho- like chocolate dip with mm-hmm. oil. Just, yeah, it, it, it they, people will come in to rag on you. I mean, people are, are on, well, not that Yelp so much anymore, but people mm-hmm. used to be on, ready to write their review while they were in line to get the product. So, um, And how, it, how much of it w- were they reviewing concept versus product? Um, the, the, most of the poor comments were that it was not... Like they, it was like they thought they were going to a noodle place and they got a steak, that that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> and and I can't believe I came all the way from California and it was just soft serve. I'm like, well, the thing we're known for <laughs> is some of the best soft serve in the world. That's the thing that it's we do. Really good stuff. So I can't apologize for the fact that that's the whole m- mission of our menu. <laughs> yes. Um, like, and if they had done their research, how would they? How would you even know? Oh, oh, the other thing that <laughs> this is off, but people who come in uh, drunk at twelve oh ten, twelve ten, and try to get in the door. Well, it's just one more man, and but you have to or, clean up the line. Or, 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 I came from Australia. How can you be closed already? Like, well, you came all from the way from Australia and had the address. Why didn't you check the time? <laughs> Oh, Lord, people. And I imagine if you're working with these particular machines, you have to clean out the lines and you have yeah, to... Yeah, actually, we just had a cleaning seminar with the staff on Tuesday, so... Yeah, there's... Um, I mean, self-serve's complicated. It, it Maintaining the machinery is, is tricky. You know, different... One of the types of... One of the brands of self-serve machines, popular ones, um, is such a pain in the butt to take care of. That's why it's their brand that's in uh, McDonald's. And they're great machines, don't get me wrong, but they're hard to train on. And that's why they end up being down a lot because soft serve machines oh, are tricky to take care of. Because there is that joke about like all the soft serve machines. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sorry, yeah. There's always <laughs> this running thing about how you really can't get the, the stuff at, at, at uh, McDonald's. So where was I going with this? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, with scooped ice cream, it would probably be made off in a commissary somewhere. Yeah. In a, you know, giant batch freezer, continuous freezer, and put in a buckets and hearted and brought to us, where the only thing the staff would have to worry about is getting it into the cabinet in time for it to be the right temperature to scoop. Because um, you like to store ice cream at maybe 20 below, mm-hmm. and you scoop it around 14 above. So you got to let it temper to give you, the, you know, the right scoop. That's kind of it, you know, yeah. for a, a scoop shop. For us, you know, you have to know the machinery because soft serve is frozen at the point of it's dis- it's frozen where it's dispensed or or served. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it 
in the bottom or top of the machine, there's a tank where you put liquid mix. It's pumped up into the freezing chamber, mm -hmm. which is just look, looks, you know, has a dasher blade. Um, and air is forced in along the way because ice cream is whipped to have air in it. That's why it's fluffy. Um, so, and then it's frozen just before it comes out of, out of the nozzle. It's liquid until it's, you know, a minute before being served, something like that. And you have to know the parts of the machine, and yeah. you, everyone has to have basic knowledge behind it, which is something that I've really been bad about lately. Because um, when I got into ice cream and ended up realizing it was going to be what I would do for, for the the foreseeable future, <laughs> yeah, I really you're got, all in, babe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and th and that meant you know I suddenly had to learn about the machinery and about ice cream, and I really I just come out of doing all this research work. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's that, go back that, to that moment. Well, that really synced up well because I. If I'm going to do something, I like to know uh, to know all about it. Yeah. And in working on the the doctorate and and working towards the comprehensives, like in such a broad way, I had to know everything I could about music. Mm -hmm. So that winter, I decided. Well, I guess I really better learn about machinery and what goes in ice cream. So you weren't just going to go and work on a truck. You decided you were going to have your own. Well, how'd that happen? You're I, looking for weird jobs I on Craigslist. Weird jobs, and my, <laughs> my fantasy job, which I'm pretty sure doesn't exist, <laughs> would be to go into the A train tracks and shoot rats with a 22. There <laughs> is like some there. Have you ever seen the rat vac? No. Oh God! Yes, it is an actual vehicle. Goes along the tracks, and they have a vacuum, and they vacuum up rats. I've seen it on the street before. The rat back. What do they? What do they make out of them? I don't. Know. I actually walked past a couple of MTA. Because if they're not repurposing them, it's <laughs> why bother. I know, like recycle, reuse, upcycle. Like, <laughs> but the, I, I actually walked past two MTA workers once, and they had found. I always, I can't ever remember if it's Rat King or King Rat, but they said that they had found one in the tunnel. You know those rats that uh, they they live so closely together, their tails like form a knot. No, I don't know. It's that. a. Th it's gonna haunt your dreams now. I'm really, really sorry about that. It's a. It's a thing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Do we need to take a moment? Do we need to meditate? That's why you need a 22. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tase that thing. I want it gone. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's. Uh, but no, they get vacuumed up. Uh, is so far as I understand. I don't even like vacuuming up spiders. I'd rather step on them than vacuum them up. Not live. I. Uh, I to do a lot of we have a place upstate we we try to release them to the outdoors as much I don't as we know, can man. And, unless they're immediately euthanized upon vacuum getting vacuumed <laughs> up then that's pretty i rude. assume i mean i i'm just going with uh, maybe the mta wants to fact check me on this but uh yeah there's a lot that happens in the tunnels i meant uh, how would you be okay in the tunnels yeah okay no i would love to be being dirty being have like you seen the joker movie yet no <laughs> there's a scene in there where um something major happens on a subway platform. Oh, I've, I've and, read about that. Yeah, and it's the <laughs> sub, It's the one train platform at 92nd Street. Okay. Which you can see if you look out the window when you go by it, you can see this abandoned station. And, um, you know, there's the station under City Hall that you can't get to anymore unless you're on a train. I love those around. ghost stations. <clears throat> I love that stuff. There's I, The A train has a stop that's closed at like 19th Street. Yeah, they're they're really these like this this sort of underground New York abandoned stuff. I I would love to be able to live on them. No, I wouldn't want to live <laughs> there, but I did read a book by a guy who lived under Grand Central for a while, and yeah, that was tough. 
I, that would not be easy, no. <laughs> you know, there's turf wars under there. Yeah, no, it's it's a serious... Do you know about the elevator, under the platform under the Waldorf Astoria? No. Um, Teddy Roosevelt, when he used to come to town, would come by train. And, you know... Um, no, FDR, sorry. Um, when FDR came to town, it was always by train. And they built a special extension for one of the trains that goes under the Waldorf Astoria. And it was so he could get off the train and get up to his, his room without people seeing him in a wheelchair. Um, and that platform is still down there. There's a gold door on the side of the Waldorf Astoria. Um, it doesn't say anything on it. And it's the door to go down to the tracks. And Warhol used to have um, <laughs> parties down there on this abandoned platform. You can't get to it anymore. But yeah, way under the, the Waldorf Astoria oh is FDR's private train platform. Dear God. Like, but, so they're not, Craigslist is not advertising for jobs on the platform. I didn't find any jobs killing rats. And <laughs> then, you know, I logged on to Facebook and a friend had a status message that said, if anyone, if any of you want to drive an ice cream truck this summer, get in touch with me. And this friend, Andrea Fisher, is somebody who went to Juilliard and a flutist plays the organ. She actually does stuff where she plays the organ pedals and plays the flute. to come. It's, she's phenomenally talented. Wow. And one of her great talents is hustling up money. Um, you know, whether she needs backers or whatever, she she makes money happen around her. Um, and she had been working an ice cream truck for a couple of summers. Like just somebody else's ice cream truck. Yeah. And, and the Times did a thing on her, you know, just the fact that she's this beautiful woman on an ice cream truck who runs off to play the organ on Sunday. And, <laughs> it, you know, it's fascinating. Yeah. So I talked to her about it, and it, it turns out that in the city, there are there are some independent ice cream truck operators, yeah. but mostly the trucks are owned by, um, you know, a person who has multiple vehicles, yeah, and multiple permits. So she was working with a guy who had something like eight trucks. Okay, and the uh, basically it was day labor. I would go there if they knew I was coming. I would be assigned a truck. There was a list with who was taking what truck that day, and you gave a cut to them. And uh, or you took your cut, so there was no upfront cost. There and a route map, or no trucks in New York City in the Manhattan don't do routes. Okay, it there was a there was basically a, uh, they had declared spots. They 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 took their spots and their techniques for taking spots and insisting on spots. Yeah, were rough. Because yeah, um, you were talking about turf wars down in the subways. There, I'm sure there's got to be. Wait, a, have you never read the 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 Times all all the police stuff that's happened with the ice cream trucks in New York? So to walk us through that because it's it's really intense. And what street vendors are against? What trucks are well, against? Well, the, the soft serve thing is really ridiculous. These so the guys that I worked with had they took over Midtown except for a couple of other trucks. They took their spots and they drove everyone out and. Sometimes, you know, it involved baseball bats and yeah. following people around. That's, that's, the, that's what I wanted to get to because it's stuff. tough business. It took, it took a little bit to realize that I was driving an ice cream truck but working in a really um, – with a, it was a dubious scene. Yeah. It took a long time for me. I still am learning how dubious it was. You know, they always said, well, we pay your tickets. Don't worry about it. And last summer or earlier this year – they were finally shut down by the state of New York. And they had been like transferring the titles on trucks um, all over the place. They had something like 120 LLCs and shell companies. And wow. 
they were just spinning. I, I can't imagine how they kept track of this stuff. But they had something like six million dollars in unpaid tickets, something like that. Whoa! Yeah. Scofflaw. So yeah, to the crazy end. time. <laughs> so that's where I learned I was what I was working with. Um, so back to the route question, you know. In Manhattan, you go to where you, your day spot and your night spot, essentially. You know, and when I started working for them, they said, "Well, here's some spots that are open. What do you think is going to work for you?" And luckily, one of them was Broadway and Seventeenth at the corner of Union Square. And I thought, I remember oh, that. I yeah. thought, okay, well, if anything's going to work, it'll be around there because it's sort of the dividing line between uptown and downtown, and you know, it, yeah, you know, and the Green Market, and it had, the people there have, uh, I think. An interesting open con open idea about eating stuff, you know. Yeah, I, I'm not making that point clear, but so they had basically bullied this spot, and if I showed up there and somebody else had taken it, I would call them and they would put in a call, and the person would be gone in minutes. Gone in what way? They would drive off. I would double park and call my guys, and uh -huh. he would call their guys, and they would call him, and my guys were the scariest, apparently. Whoa. So that's how it worked in Manhattan, especially with my, with Big Gay Ice Cream Truck. Um, you know, ice cream trucks aren't built. You've been in one. And mm -hmm. you, as you said, it's cramped. And they're not built, um, you know, there's not a, <laughs> there's just not a lot of space. And so I had all the regular ice cream truck toppings plus another, you know, four bins and then sauce bottles and all this stuff. So for me, packing up and moving would require – you know, a half hour on each end to pack it up, clean it, go to another spot, reopen it. Um, so I just stayed at Union Square all day. Yeah, you don't drive around, and Big Ice Cream Truck never drove around. Yeah. The uh, the guys up in the Bronx, you know, drove from Ballfield, but not me. Yeah, Brooklyn, we definitely get the drive-by trucks. Yeah, in Queens, all, in all the boroughs, but not in Manhattan. People don't. And that's also a lot of prepackaged treats as a Poster. I guess there's some soft serve, but there are also a lot of like Choco Tacos yeah. and things like that. Yeah, and Sponge uh, SpongeBob. There's a like lot that. of blurry SpongeBobs. Yes, <laughs> those are. They're always smeared. And it's funny, you know, in Australia, have you ever had Golden Gay Time treats? Oh, I've seen them. I've yeah. never been to Australia, but I've heard they make really, really great. You know, prepackaged uh, ice cream over Golden there. Golden Gay Time. Golden Gay Time. And somebody just. Uh, <laughs> Sent me a direct message that said, "Hey, do you know about this brand? They're they're jacking your style, and you ought to get on them." And I wrote back and I said, "Actually, they've been around a long time, and I worship them. You know, yeah. The fact that they're called Golden Gay Time is <laughs> is awesome because they were, you know, you know, their name comes from we're having a gay old time sort of thing, and you know, people assume it's completely different now, and it's sort of like people assume Big Gay Ice Cream Truck has to be South Park. pro pro agenda, you know, have an agenda yeah. something yeah. like that, and um. There you go. We don't have an agenda, and I just parked at Union Square in 17. But, so at that point, was it Big Gay Ice Cream, or was it? was it... always Big Gay Ice Cream. Oh. So, okay, so back to Andrea. She yeah. had this guy who had multiple ice cream trucks, and I remember turning to Brian and saying, here's one. I could drive an ice cream truck next summer and work with Andrea. And Brian was like, yeah, yeah, you have to do that, because <laughs> how many people have the opportunity to have yeah. an ice cream truck? And I wanted to do something that involved New Yorkers. Yeah. And the idea of working on the street in New York City was so terrifying. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and the idea that somebody could just put a gun in my face through the window or whatever. Um, so, yeah, the terror aspect really brought me into it. So, I mean, you wanted to lean into terror. You liked it. I wanted to be on the edge of something. Yeah. And have you always been like that? 
I'll talk to anyone about anything. Okay. I like that about you yeah. very much. So sometimes that brings you into a strange into strange places. Yeah. I, I remember you wrote a piece for me when I was uh, at CNN Etocracy. We would do this this five at five thing where we'd ask somebody, what is the list that only you can write? Oh. And you wrote five people who are really better off if we choose the flavor for them. Oh, 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 right, right, right. And one of them was chain smokers because <laughs> they people there was one guy who pounded cigarettes all the time he was in the line. And I got him into chocolate with cayenne because it was, you know. Oh, because he could taste it. Yeah. Was his name Anthony Bourdain? Yeah. God. His smoking. But early early adopter of the brand, though. Um, Yeah. You know, my friend Helen worked as social media sort of. The lovely Helen Cho. Helen Cho. Yeah, she's a magnificent person. (laughs) You know it. She worked there uh, and handled his social media and sort of, I think a lot of it, the, okay, let me just tell you how I met Tony and Otavia. It's because it's it's so stupid. <laughs> um, Brian and I went to Barney's for the book launch of Lee Schrager's South Beach food uh, South Beach uh, yeah, cookbook. Yeah, I know the one. Which was a compilation of of you know chefs that uh, their their recipes that he just kind of gathered and. Blah, 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 blah. So we went to this party, and we really didn't think about the fact that all these chefs who had recipes <laughs> in there might be there. We were just like, okay, let's go have champagne. Free booze and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what the first awesome thing that happened was all of this stuff went flying across the floor all of a sudden. And Brian looked down, and it was um, – What's her name? The she was a Brent, it was Bethany Frankel, like the Real Housewife. Yeah, she was trying to gather like her lipstick and everything in her compact, and then it got flying across the floor when she dropped her purse. So that was like a total win. We should have gone home right then and stopped the night. <laughs> Bethany Frankel crawling around on the floor, and um, I saw Tony and Otavia there, and I had tweeted back and forth with Otavia a little bit. Uh, she worked, um, I think, as a a shift lead or a manager at a restaurant and the boss there loved the smell of urinal cakes and wanted them placed around <laughs> like, like minty urinal yeah, cakes yeah urinal <laughs> cakes and he wanted the place to smell like urinal cakes <laughs> which you don't want a restaurant to smell like anything really but that's the fetish that's like you might be right so she and i sort of engaged over that and i went up to him <laughs> And I really had nothing to say to Tony. Yeah. And I started having a, a really in-depth conversation with Otavia about this urinal cake incident. <laughs> like, and who decides that? Uh, it's... Uh, Is that really, like, yes. Yeah. So um, I didn't really... I said hello to Tony, but the whole thing was with Otavia. Right. And it was later she started direct messaging me I was as I was on my way home. Oh, Tony just realized you wrote a piece about Guy Fieri, and he really loved it. Uh, we did something for Eater about Guy, and Tony liked it, and that's how we sort of moved up to being of a friendship. Anyhow, Helen worked for him, yeah. and when he was doing that show, The Layover, oh, yeah. which I think was two seasons, um, Helen, we were a really short spot in that. We weren't one of the people who actually interviewed, but they stopped by the truck. So remember, like, Eddie Wong was in there. And- yeah, Eddie, yeah, right. Um so they did a, a blow-by, and I think that was mostly because Helen, I think, urged it. And she was the one I had to 
you know, set the whole thing up with. So why are we talking about Helen? Oh, because we were talking about like the sort of social media. Well, okay, to retrace Thank this. God you know where I'm going with things. I do. I, I don't have a pretty clue. Good. I, I'm surprised. I didn't even take my ADHD medication today. I'm impressed with my brain. Um, I, so we were talking about that you were near Union Square, that you, ha- that you had written the thing about who should choose, who, who you should choose their thing. We talked oh. about chain smoking, and then I, I was saying social media helped launch you oh yeah okay yes. so i don't know why i started talking about helen in that case but because um, uh, i said that uh, <laughs> you were talking about chain smokers <laughs> i don't know where helen came out in this conversation she has Social. been working for letterman on his show i know it seems like such a great job for her yeah yeah uh, I, it, she's it, it's been amazing to see her go from one thing to com- you know a complete different thing she really she also worked on the show meat eater with Stephen Ranella, it's a, oh a yeah, hunting I re- show. yeah, because I remember because that was a zero point zero yeah thing. I mean, I, I want her to, to become the queen of all media. Well, and you know that she was in a couple of episodes, including I know. A, a bison hunt. I think it was bison. Oh my god! Yeah, she she yeah. But she but she, but she made because I I remember that social media moment for for you with when uh the the truck was launching and people were really starting to pick up on yeah you know in, in 2009 and, when, and when kate we, crater and kim severson were writing about you as well well I think. kim was at our first day okay and she was my so, guest last week <laughs> so kim has sort of been she's so deeply linked with it yeah. you know not every step of the way but from the beginning she she showed up we it was our first day we had no idea what we were doing we didn't know how to put the signs that we had on the truck we had a giant banner that we made um we barely knew how to make an ice cream cone and kim was there and um kim had a good laugh and she said later you know i never expected you guys to even have a second day (laughs) and at the end of our second season we were on rachel ray and kim was like this is ridiculous and she still thinks it's ridiculous which is you know It's wonderful. Yeah. You no. know, she, she's so happy about the success, but still has no idea why it's successful, which is the same as me. I, and I, <laughs> I don't care, and I don't want to analyze it too much. And, um, you and, know, that's why I stopped doing the truck for the most part, was yeah. because it was going to hit a point where it was no longer a magical thing that happened. Yeah. You know, it just came about because of Facebook, and then we had these silly ideas. We wanted to get a Facebook group going for my friends to just kind of follow along. We had no name for it, so we called it Big Gay Ice Cream Truck. And then all these random people started joining it, and we decided that the brand name, you know, it, there it was. We'd already named it. And the visuals are so strong. Well, our, la- our logo by Jason O'Malley, you know, people would stop, and uh, they would stop at the truck, and we always could, we always loved when you would look out and you'd see someone go. <laughs> they would say it out loud uh, and order themselves, and they would stand with that logo and take a picture. Be- and that's, you know, it, not, 2009 was the zeitgeist of Twitter and 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 food and, and food trucks, you know, both of Very, those things. Oh, my God. <clears throat> Every, like, five times a day I did be pitched a food truck story. Oh. Where, where, you know, whatever, wherever I happened to be working, whether it was AOL, CNN, like, just food trucks, because they, they it sort of rolled out through various towns. So we yeah. we had been inundated in, in New York for a while, and Atlanta was having a huge moment, too. And so I mean, and, and, and Roy Choi, of course. Yeah, of course. You know, he really broke down. He broke down something, and you know, Roy is amazing with keeping. Roy has a mission, you know, yeah. to bring the right, the certain food to the certain people, and it did, that kind of food never came from food trucks until Roy. And he's really good at media too. Uh, he's another person who, like, just their soul is 
the right kind of soul. Yeah, it is. Like just uh, like just like greyhounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've been talking about that. We're, we're both dog people, so yeah. It's and the food. The, I think the the sort of the X factor of you and of him is the food's really good. So you're not just making floppy like soft. You know, syrup. I never really thought about that, but yeah. in a way, you know, Roy wanted to upgrade the taco truck, a standard. A standard concept and we really wanted to notch up a soft serve truck which mm-hmm. is just a concept that's been around since the 50s <clears throat> so i never really thought about the fact that this roy's a trailblazer and i don't consider us to be anything like that because it was a trend we didn't know there was a food truck trend going on we just wanted to do something silly um but maybe i should give myself a little more credit for something you should because you were also doing things that were kind of risky because you weren't just doing you know chocolate vanilla strawberry and like a cherry on top you were i remember thinking olive oil huh that's really interesting olive oil and salt and then you were you were doing all your other flavors and then yeah but it, it was flavors that people the balsamic one uh as well you were you, uh, yeah. for a while you were doing it was balsamic reductions that's what it was and it and i thought like okay let's God, see how I this could is really going to go, go. For that right now. it's such a perfect thing cuz i had started to I remember when gina de palma introduced the um the olive oil gelato at oto and that yeah. took and that diners was, that was our inspiration for putting yeah. olive oil on ice cream because yeah um you know brilliant it's such a perfect. Well, people. She got so much pushback at first. People were like, "Oh, that's weird." And now it's just, people don't bat an eye at it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I remember trying it because yeah. um, I think the first then cone I actually had, maybe was when I was at uh, CNN because I, I think our our uh, LGBTQ alliance had some oh, sort yeah, of like yeah, free yeah. cone thing, and you were there. And I remember I brought you a flask of something, cognac. Yeah, to have in the truck because I thought like. I had it at home, and it was really, alone, it was really where you should, where everyone should try to do their drinking. It's, it was really hot that day too. And I remember it had like a neoprene yeah. sleeve. Yeah, it had on. this greenish uh, exoskeleton, or, or it was like it had a, a scuba. Yeah, yeah. But by that Ah! point, it was it was such an interesting thing because you had you had this incredible trajectory because you had the the trucks and then they started becoming uh, they would be at festivals. They would be at, uh, you know, events that weren't necessarily sort of like a gay oriented or LGBTQ. Yeah, I mean, I remember the the Macy's private Fourth of July party where they take a a pier out. And, you know, we were at the end of a pier. and on on the closed side of the truck, it was just us and the water. And um, we watched the fireworks, you know, basically yeah. with four friends. And that was a pl- – how would we uh, – what? You know? It, it was – I remember you doing a, a – there was a silent disco or there was some sort of event that you, you were doing and there were a lot of drag queens. Like you've always had drag queens in the mix, which I've always appreciated. And um, – yeah, I guess so. Uh, our, you know, our preference for drag queens uh, is um, it depends on the character. You know, like uh, Bertha Mason used to do yes, that. Yes, uh, uh, yes, I remember her. And you know, his pies are brilliant. Um, and Ari Kiki is the drag queen who was at our opening day at the East Village. Who <laughs> she looks like just Amy Winehouse, you know, bloated and. It wonderful, you know, and yeah. she was running up down the line and entertaining everyone. I remember at one point she gra- she just grabbed someone's kid, like <laughs> you know, like one year old, and she started saying, "Free baby, who wants a baby?" <laughs> you know, so it, we don't. I don't want someone who's going to come and sing, um, 
you know, ring my bell or whatever for the millionth time. Yeah, you know, like the the sensibility. And we actually stopped, sort of stopped doing that as much because we were getting too identified with it. Well, the sensibility around it has always been really fun because you had people who were not necessarily sort of dressed all you know sexy and stuff. Like you had like homemaker drag, yeah, kind of thing. And I've always that was Bertha Mason, yeah, yeah. And and I think I had. Some, I was at some other like dessert event or something, and I think she was baking there. But I, I remember that it's the book is a brilliant thing, and I remember the sensibility of that being like '80s prom, but kind of busted. Yeah, and I kind of yeah. Very, I, I I showed up uh, I '80s class picture. Yeah, we yeah. decided. You know, I think at the time we were like f- five years old, and we decided that the book we we. We had the hardest time coming up with a concept, and then suddenly we realized, you know what? Let's tell our story in four chap four chapters, four mm-hmm. sections, and w- the four sections will mirror the development of our menu. So we'll start strictly with stuff that we put on ice cream that we love on ice cream. Then we'll get a little bit more tricky. Then we get a little more tricky. And by then the final thing you're actually making ice cream. Um, I always found that ice cream cookbooks were sort of daunting to most people because yeah, they start off it's science. I mean, they start off with how to make a custard base. And yeah. I think a lot of people right then and there are like, mm, I don't wanna Yeah. So we wanted to do something I didn't want to scare people off at the beginning. Uh, so it doesn't even mention that until further in. And also all the recipes are are simple. Yeah. I mean I made the, and I really thought I was gonna get a lot of pushback on this or blowback, but I made them almost too easy. Like I removed steps that you probably want to do, like putting it through a you know a, a strainer even to get little egg bits. You know, if you, if you make the custard right, you don't get the egg bits. But still, just to cut out, you would never want to serve that in a restaurant. But there's a little teeny bit of it at, I home. Said, at home. That's uh, whatever. Fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, kind of oversimplified things. But the since it was four sections, it was like a yearbook. Freshman class was the easiest stuff, and we wanted to do sections that had all the class photos in it. And so we, my friend Mary Smith, who used to work at Charm City Cakes, made a laser background for us. Yeah. And we asked everyone to come in just dressed '80s, and we we got a, a pile of junk at Goodwill to put people in. <laughs> And had an open call, three days of, of photography for it. And people just wandered in, and now they're in our book. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I went there. I, I My hair was very large. That I had just come from a party for the anniversary right, of Danielle. The, the, I think the biggest hair awards would go to you and to Amanda Freitag, who oh, walked in. yes. Amanda walked in fully blown out and ready to go. And she, <laughs> you know, it was the middle of the day, and she was just ridiculous with her makeup, like sp- spackled on, and her <laughs> hair huge and scrunchies and stuff. So, yeah, Amanda really pulled it out for that book. It's such a wonderful book, and the shake recipes in it are pretty terrific as well. Well, you know, shakes are an easy thing to make, and they're fun. And I, I we used to make them at home as, as kids, and a lot of people, I just, I, I guess they only went out to have them, and. The shake that we always made, uh, I learned later, is black and white. Vanilla ice cream with chocolate syrup. Yeah. Which people around here, uh, you know, it, it kind of is a New York thing to call it a black and white. And a black and white cookie, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Same it's sort of thing. iconic New York. And I remember somebody tweeting at us saying, I can't believe you use such a racist term for a milkshake. Like, no, it's a standard term. Also, it's black and white. It's so anyhow we we have a lot of good milkshakes in in the book the yeah. curry and the peanut butter one the peanut butter chocolate one is lethal yeah it's and really, do you want to hear the story behind that one I really because do we I've always had Skippy you know 
on our menu and like to line cones with peanut butter. And a customer came in and said, you ought to make a, a shake with chocolate and peanut butter. Like, I thought, yeah, I should screw around with that. And <laughs> he said, well, make me one. And I said, well, here's the deal. I'm going to go make one. Uh, you're going to have it. And if you don't like it, you're not going to say a word to anyone about having a crappy shake. And if I like it, I get to never tell anyone that you came up with the idea. And he was like, fine. And I handed it to him without trying. And he looked at me and said, you better try this. And I took a spoonful out of his shake and was like, okay, well, look back at the dirty measuring cup. I think it was a third cup of peanut butter because <laughs> write this down. And so it was entirely his idea. We got the ratio right on the first try. And it's so, it's so evil because you can see little, you can see fat like glistening on oh, it. Yeah. It's, it's toxic. Like, it was the one that we always <laughs> joked about having people sign a release and buy 10, get one free angioplasty. <laughs> it's rough. It's delicious as hell, yeah. though. Like, I God, it's a beautiful, beautiful. It's funny when people ask, can you come in and do a milkshake demo and do this shake? And like a milkshake demo takes like 35 yeah, seconds. Yeah, I had you do one, which is why. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's always like, well, how can you go back and do it more? lot slower or something like no it's just like it's put it together but and like, you know the faster you make a milkshake well when you make a milkshake the uh weak blender is the best one to use really? because if you try to make one in a vitamix or, heat or i mean vitamix are amazing but they're built really for pulverizing okay so you want a milkshake to still have ice cream in it and not be a chocolate chocolate milkshake needs chocolate ice cream in it suspended it shouldn't be chocolate milk so if you have a blender that just is, you know, meant to bash vegetables, you're going to demolish the ice cream, the structure of the ice cream. So is that why there are those specific like milkshake machines? Like you see in like throwback places, like a, like with with the metal cup. Yeah, and they they aerate. Oh. You know, they they whip in a lot of air, um, and that. But then you can also have ones that just destroy it. You know, oh a. a, a a, a blender that's meant to murder what's in it is <laughs> <laughs> not a great one to make a milkshake. dark. In. You know, I, I have, um, I collect vintage appliances and small appliances, and I have a bunch of milkshakes. And the the oldest ones are the best ones for shakes. I think, and they're pretty too. Like, oh, really, I love them. I yeah, mean, that's. I I have a bunch of mixers too, including one. I put a photo of it on my private Instagram feed, just saying I can't find anything about this mixer. What it, does anyone know anything? And people found it online. And this mixer came with an extra beater. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Put it to the side. And it turned out it's a three-beater mixer. Never heard of such a thing? No. It's three it's three blades in line that all spin linked How up with each other. How whippy does that get? You know, I've, I've actually not tried it because <laughs> I need to. But it, it seems to me it's so violent. It's like it could drill to the core of the earth. Right. Like how much meringue are you making? How much? I, I, that's the thing. I wonder. I do need to make meringue in it because I wonder if it's like f ten seconds. Oh my god! I think or, you need to put that on Instagram when you do that. I should. Do, I'll, I put it on you know my private one. And everyone. I I tried it. I I looked under the thing. I realized you can put a third beater in there, and like I said, core of the earth. And then you crank <laughs> it up and it goes. Nyeh! <laughs> I, I can't imagine that you could make much in it because I, it seems like it would destroy it like at the molecular level. So you have to try this. I got to try it. I got to oh. figure out the right thing to put in it. So we've been talking about soft serve and milkshake, but you now, I really want to talk about how you got into p the pint business and what that's been like. Because uh, uh, I have to say, it's really emotional for me every time I go into a grocery store and I see your pints. 
We uh, actually a company found us a little company who likes to develop, you know, uh, likes to take f- food places to a next notch, and they were connected with you know sales system and distribution, and we thought, okay, let's do this, and that was sort of it, and it, it turned out that it sold to more places than we thought it would sell, you know, and it's still selling. Um, Can you say how many outlets it's in? Well, I mean, it's in like 750 Wawa's. So, oh, wow. I found yeah. it at CVS before. Yeah. You know, and of course, it's one of those things. It's one of those areas where you end up spending money to make money. Yeah. But having it in stores, uh, it's ridiculous. That's and beautiful. when it, in the second year when it made it to Maine, I the, can't talk about that's it. That's where you're from. Who found it there? Who was the person who found the pint in there? I knew it had gone in, and a couple of people had sent me photos, and my sister sent me a photo of her with the pints. Oh, my God. And I had to go lean on a wall at Broadway and 207 and cry. That's huge. I mean, when you posted about that, uh, I started crying. That's... The whole uh, idea that I had left Central Maine, I had to get out, I dropped out, and, and moved to New York... Um, because I, I just didn't fit there. And I know then that feeling. <laughs> the, and then for the ice cream to then go there on its own? Yeah. And the thing is, some kid is going to see that on the, on the freezer shelf like it's no big deal. Well, and I, that's going to be... Uh, I had a guy write to me who said, I was four years behind you in high school or something like that. And... I was so mean to you, and I, 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 I hope this apology means something. I just have to write to you to get it off my chest. And of course, so many people were mean to me that I have no idea who he was. And yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the apology. It's it's very nice, but it it the whole thing means something to people. It does. It really does. I mean, because you can you imagine like you know you're that that kid in that little town and uh, that maybe hasn't quite caught up with some things and and you see that just in the freezer like it's you know yeah. just normalized yeah it, it yeah that's huge and you know we never talk about we don't have an agenda and we try to be vocal about that yeah um which so when people try to place it on us it's, it is kind of humorous like i said earlier before we started taping I actually had Westboro Baptist Church tweeting at me, the, the God hates the people. And they said, this was when in the Pacific Northwest, there was some, there was a, a baker who wouldn't make, they, they were fundamentalist and wouldn't make a cake for a gay couple's wedding. Yeah. You remember this? Thing? Yeah. And it was in the midst of all that. And they said, hey, big gay ice cream, will you make us a, a giant God hates fags cake, ice cream cake? Um, for a float and a, you know, in a parade or something like that. And I wrote back, absolutely, it'll cost $80,000 and I'm going <laughs> to donate it all to human rights. Yeah. And they never responded. And I was like, I just want a thing with, I, I just beat Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, they get no ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have sold them a ton. They could yeah. have all they want and it would all go to somebody who would fight against them. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I, I nailed that one on the first tweet back. That's really good. And yeah. you, well, you were telling me that they're actually a pretty small organization. They're just really loud. Yeah. Uh, you know, they <laughs> when they picketed my alma mater, 
Juilliard. (laughs) (laughs) What? Because of you? No, because I guess it's a den of homosexuality encouragement or something. All the best places are. I got a story about that in a second, but (laughs) they sent like four people, you know. So it's four people standing out there with their signs and stuff. And that's when I found out that really there are only, there's a very small core membership of Westboro Baptist. They all just show up everywhere. Um, And wait. They're frequent flyer miles. And signs. And I had a good place to go with that. Oh, we were talking about the pints being in places. But it was something like that. Somewhere else. I'm all over the map. It's okay. But your ice cream is too. How do we jump to God Hates Bags? I think that's just where your mind was going. But you were t- we were taking, talking about the pints being in there Something and like to do with high school, uh, like having having it out there and not being political. Oh yeah, and we don't like to tell people what. Um, I love it when people would tweet us tweet something about the big gay agenda. Brian, there's a particular guy who is insistent that there's a, de- a big gay agenda. <laughs> Just like people who insist insist there's deep stake in series and shit like that. Um, and I remember writing to him and saying something like, I, I wanted him to know that we'd had a meeting and there were some additional <laughs> items put on the big gay agenda. And uh, he ended up blocking me, which is another thing. And we, we rarely engage with stuff like that. But that one was just too too fun to pick up. You know, the big gay agenda is like, you know, what it was... When Big Ice Cream Truck came along, we named it the Facebook group that because it kind of sounded like we were queer eyeing it. Yeah. You know? And so I, you know, I made the Big Gay Agenda into, you know, things like that. I, I love that. Well, since we're talking about names, the Big Gay Agenda. you may or may not want to talk about this, but you got pushed back for the name Salty Pimp. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 no. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's a, that is a thing where, People jump to conclusions. You know, I will talk about it. Here we go. Um, when we made Salty Pimp for the first time, it was the it was the most complicated thing that we made. And what is the makeup of it? It's vanilla ice cream. We put dulce de leche in the cone and salt it. Then it's vanilla ice cream that we put on the outside. Uh, put dulce de leche on the outside. Then we take a, a squeeze bottle and inject it into the ice cream. Then it all gets salted and dipped in chocolate dip. And I'm still really proud of that cone. Basically, that was the beginning of us demolishing soft serve and rebuilding it. It's like a triple axle. Yeah. I mean, there there are other things now that we do that are probably more complicated. But anyhow, it it was still while Pimp My Ride was on MTV. Oh, yeah. And we thought, oh, this cone's pimped out. You know, it's the most complicated thing we do. And we named it Salty Pimp. And that was that. And it just fell out of my mouth, and we named it that. And it was in the – that's all. Hit my ride. Um, I think Missy Elliott showed her car in it, and it had in the trunk an elevator, uh, a rack that came up full of her shoes, like all different sneakers. So, you know, a lot of people just laughed at it and got the, got the joke. Some people took it as an endorsement of actual pimps. And that was so far from being the case – that it seemed hilarious, but you know, it, it it's taking something where it just wasn't meant to go, and I can understand how it got there, but it's so far from the spirit of what it meant to the the actual name yeah. that it was. It's sort of upsetting that you know. It, I I tend to think of the ethos of your business as being like 
you know, pro sex worker, pro drag queen, pro anything, pro hoops. Well, it, I wouldn't say it's in particular pro anyone, but working on the streets those first couple of years, you probably got you to had know customers a lot of who were everything, and you know that was one of the first times I. I'm not consistent about this, but there were, there were definitely times where I had to consider my pronouns very carefully. Yeah. And that was the first time in my life where that happened. And people would actually notice it and appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And for someone to go to come to the truck who was transitioning and to for me to see it and call it down the middle, mm -hmm. it, it was a big thing for them. It's a respect. You know? Uh, that should should be commonplace, but isn't quite yet. It was it was in an effort to make the truck, to make all customers a level playing field. Yeah. Um, it didn't matter as long as you were paying. I was <laughs> I was going to have, I was going to earn my three fifty with you and. Yeah. Um, and we did. There was uh, there were people who worked the streets who came to the truck. Yeah. So, I we are we try to just be pro NYC really in a way yeah because big gay ice cream truck would never have happened anywhere else no. no nowhere else and it's had what I like about the pints also is because that well there's a, there's a footprint outside of New York now and I think yeah. that's a really special thing and the concept behind each one is really special I mean the fact that there's a, like a Neil Gaiman flavor yeah is it is funny uh, that Neil Ga that cone I had been sort of chatting back and forth with Amanda Palmer, I think, yeah. and Neil tweeted back at us. And of course, Neil, whenever he tweets anything, even if it's a closed oh, tweet God. where he's tweeting at somebody, his followers are rabid, and That's... they're very fun. Yeah. Um, and happen. Amanda's, at the time at least, were the same. Like, people who followed Amanda either followed her because they loved her, or they were just there to piss her off. Um, people who follow Neil, all of them love him. Yeah. So I got word through... Um, we had a girl who was uh, working near us who was doing merch for Dresden Dolls. Oh, I love Dresden Dolls. <laughs> Amanda's band. And so yeah. it got, they somehow got Neil to come to the truck. So Brian and I got this text that said, Neil's going to be there in about 45 minutes. We we're like, what? <laughs> and we thought, we got to do a cone for him. Oh, well, how do we do this? And Brian ran over to Union Square Market, Green Market, and he bought, um, there's a company there who sells pretzels, and he bought up a bag of bashed pretzel bits. And we, he brought them back and said, do something with those. So I took them and I bashed them into the soft serve. Like, I demolished this <laughs> cone and then sort of reshaped it and, and dipped it. And No, we didn't dip it. Yeah, we dipped it. It's, it's got dip on it. Um, and Neil had the first bite of the first American globs. Like, we, it, again, it was like the chocolate, milk, chocolate peanut butter milkshake when something just happened and... It was the right thing, so I named it American Globs after American <laughs> after American gods, with his full blessing, and to 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 have made this jokey cone for Neil, and to have named it that on a whim, and for it to be in grocery stores, and I th also I think it's fantastic. It's a great I ice mean, cream. How how does that happen? It is so delicious. I I wrote to uh, Daniel Handler a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and said, you know, I really want to do a lemony Snickers. Oh. And I can't. I there's no way I'm going to do this without your blessing. Yeah. And he wrote back, when you when you do it, go for it. Just he said, That's just great. don't market it towards kids. I don't want anything that. Yeah. yeah. And so somewhere the lemony Snickers is waiting to happen. Did the did B Arthur ever get a B Arthur? Um. No, she was dead. 
by the right. time you started. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. For and some she, reason, it's I called it was... Dorothy now. But yes. It, yeah. And that cone is Dulce de Leche and Nilla Wafers. And it's it was a really one of, lovely cone. That was an early cone. And we called it the BuzzFeed because BuzzFeed ran a picture of it. And we had no name for it. Um, and then B. Arthur, at the end of our first summer, or maybe in the middle, B. Arthur's will was read. And she left a bunch of money to Allie Fornicetter, which is oh. for LGBTQ yeah. um, displaced youth. And we thought, you know what? It's This is golden, you know? Uh, yeah. The crumbs fall off of it, kind of like those long trains she wore on her outfits on Maud. Yes. And what's called B. Arthur? Um, and that was that. Uh, we, we ended up renaming it Dorothy, um, you know, we, to get permission to use her name. Yeah. It was onerous. And we actually tried to get a, a movement going to get her a star on the Walk of Fame. Yes. And Does she not have one? No. It's it's absurd. Let's fix this. Well, <laughs> we tried to you have to if someone's it's a star who's deceased, you have to get the family's permission to start the application process. And we couldn't find people who were related to her. Even the people at Ali Forney who read who had the will only knew so much, you know, and so we had to abandon this idea to lead the initiative to get her a Walk of Fame star. So we na- renamed it Dorothy, and the the logic behind that was the if you heard people say, "Are you a friend of Dorothy?" Yes, that yeah, you know, oh. it's sort of Mattachine era um, slang. Asking somebody if they're gay is, yeah. "Are you a friend of Dorothy?" And that uh, sort of stems from Dorothy Gale, Wizard of Oz. And we thought, you know what? And it's also her character, uh, B. Arthur's character on the Gold Girls so was Dorothy. A lot of... So a lot of reasons things came together, and um, the, it renamed itself really. I'm just holding out for the Mindy Cone. <laughs> needs to happen. Well, you know, for Maureen McCormick's birthday, we did the Marsha, Marsha, Marshmallow Sunday, which is just so <laughs> cheap of us. But, but that's what I love about you. You're both cheap and classy at the it, same time. <laughs> God. We had Oliver Day one day. <laughs> really, cousin Oliver? Yes. I got Robbie Rist to, like, endorse the thing as Oliver Day. And said, if anyone named Oliver comes in, you eat for free. It's Oliver Day. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, and we got pictures of fucking Cousin Oliver with uh, our ice cream. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> I can't believe we did that. I, that makes me really, really happy. So, it's so dumb. So what is the next thing? You have the pints. You have uh, brick-and-mortar stores. You know, it's sort of more of the same. Yeah. But to, to really ramp up availability. I mean, the sandwiches are... You like our sandwiches? I love the sandwiches. You know, those For a long time, we sold sandwiches from Melt Bakery, which they're great ice cream sandwiches. You know, Julian really knows what he's doing. Um, so we had somebody else's ice cream sandwiches on our menu. We also carry Fanny's Pops, the, her Palettas, in New Yorkina. Fine. And we never really found the right sort of manifesto or raison d'etre to have our own ice cream sandwiches because... You know, lemon verbena ice cream with, you know, a certain short bread. It just didn't, it wasn't us, you know. Everything seemed too upscale. And finally, we thought, well, you know, on ice cream trucks, they make the, we made those ice cream sandwiches with the chocolate wafer cookies. Um, maybe we need to update those the same way we updated the cones and stay within that sort of basic model of, you know, wafer cookie chocolate vanilla ice cream in the middle or whatever and then ramp those up somehow but they're so fun they're so good and they fit us yeah you know? they really do so, so we're, I'm proud of that we added those a couple of years ago so yeah more, more. I want to I play on shakes I want to start doing um, 
I want to take Dairy Queen mix-ins and find a new way to elevate those. I want this. I want that. And I just want more big gay ubiquity, ubiquity I, across. I made a, we had a New York City food and wine event this weekend, and it was a, an ice cream social for kids Aww. hosted by Duff. And I decided to do ice cream with sour warheads in it. <gasps> and every single kid loved it. And half of the adults were just disgusted by it. And I thought, we nailed it, you know. <laughs> That's amazing. It was so good. But, you know, we could do milkshakes and that sort of thing. And I don't want to give more away. I love That's that. too much. So, Doug Quint. Yeah. This is the Oprah part of of things gonna... where I get something under my seat a gift <laughs> <laughs> yes you're sitting on it baby <laughs> or, we, or we do lines from color purple <laughs> we I, whatever you want to do but like I, you know she was a big proponent of the secret and putting out into the universe like manifesting the thing you want ideally saying it out loud so other people can help you get to whatever this is what is the thing you want for yourself the selfish thing um a lot of land, yeah, to be someplace where I can own a lot of land. Yeah. And, um, yeah, to know that I'm surrounded by all my own land. That's really great. I, I <laughs> know where you can get some. Yeah. Well, you know, I, we're moving to Maine shortly. Oh. My husband and I live in sort of a weird place in Illinois, which was where he could get a job. And I thought, you know, I've never lived anywhere but Maine or New York City, so... I got hit by a car and thought, that's it, I'm done. And I told my shrink, <clears throat> I told my shrink, you know, I think my paranoia level is just off the charts now because I worry about like a sarin gas attack in the subways or a van jumping the jumping on the sidewalk and demolishing me or a, you know, a pressure cooker nail bomb going off in my face. And I said, I, it's like, I'm, I'm just getting so paranoid about walking down the street. And my, my therapist said, those are all justifiable fears. You're not being paranoid. <laughs> That's what happens in New York. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe you don't. You shouldn't live here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> my, my therapist ther is never that blunt. <laughs> my therapist also said I was telling her how hard it was for my husband to get um, post-surgical pain meds. They just wanted him mm -hmm. to go ice, and he'd had his knee ripped open. And and uh, she said to me. You know, I tell my patients, and I probably, this is a strange thing to say, but I tell patients if they have more pain meds, extra pain meds after a procedure, hoard them. Because someday you're going to need them and a doctor won't prescribe them. Which, that's the state of opioids in this country, yeah. you know, where people who, post-surgical is a completely, completely legitimate use of narcotics you've been ripped open um but the fact that they've gone so much the other way with fentanyl and everything now yeah. you can't get them when you should and i you know i see them as a tool and i really it was really really hard to watch him in all this pain um because he couldn't get them but anyway i want us to, i want he and i to be surrounded by our own land i want that for you yeah. like let us dream this into action yeah we're we're working on it <coughs> so i have five questions that are Pretty rapid fire. Yeah. You, you ready for that? This is not a. I heard you on, on Carb Face with the question, <laughs> questions oh, that you God, did a beautiful. Lori. I think you called me a whore or something like that. It's fine. Um, <coughs> you called me a bitch. That's what it was. No, I no, called Dana with... Cowan a bitch. Um, I said something about like, you know, it, it was. A, it was with love, people. Yeah, <laughs> with the one with Dana. It was. It's like that's like saying that Dana Cowan's a bitch. It's not it's like it's kicking a puppy. so far off from the <laughs> like truth. Like she is such a lovely, twinkly, beautiful yeah. human. Dana Cowan, what a whore. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> We're going to release
release a soundbite from it, and that's going to be <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I and I th- yes, and it was it was something. This will not be like that. Yeah. What's your comfort food? Oh, nutter butters. Any particular amount sequence? The whole thing, whatever whatever package it is, the whole thing. I have broken up a nutter butters and put them in a bowl with milk over them. <gasps> they don't hold together that well. So I know exactly that mush because when you dip it in the milk, yeah, like they go oh. quick. Um, I've also done that with the, those little white donuts with the powdered sugar, the little donuts with yeah. powdered sugar on them that yeah. are like from Entenmann's or something. Yeah, I love those. I've, I have broken those up and put them into into a bowl. Uh, <laughs> I've think I've broken out of that sort of well I know I have but I really have been addicted to sugar before like yeah. addicted to sugar and eating bowls of donuts was sort of like hitting <laughs> rock bottom I'm picturing you just sitting there like <laughs> one time I had a craving in the middle of the night and I was like I have to have something this is ridiculous and I got in the fridge and the only thing I had were frozen pie crusts really oh they weren't frozen they, oh, were, they were in the fridge and um I took a bunch of butter and drizzled it on this pie crust and then just dumped as much brown sugar as I could and rolled it and baked it and ate the whole thing and passed out. Oh, my God. Like, really, really bad sugar problems. So, Are you better now? Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think the older you get, the harder time you have with metabolizing certain things, and yeah. sugar is one of them. Oh, my God. And if you combine sugar and dairy, which is what I do for a living, <laughs> right. you have to be, I have to be careful about the amount I ingest. So, mm. you know, when it comes to ice cream, I, I am a taster. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. Do you know how to taste ice cream? If Put your lips together and blow? No, like if, you're doing, <laughs> if you're doing a sampling? How? You need water that's room temperature or body temperature and unsalted saltines. And after each bite of ice cream or after each flavor, first you have this saltine and chew it and it scrapes the fat that's coated your mouth up. So it, it scrapes that fat off and then you rinse with body temperature water because you want your palate to be the same temperature for each oh, yeah. each kind you're trying. Otherwise, if it get, if your mouth gets more and more coated and your palate gets more and more um, cold, the whole at the end everything's going to be tasteless. You're not coming at it with the same palate as when you start. Who knew? Yeah, I had to be taught that by a flavor scientist. Oh my god. I want to be a flavor scientist. I know. What the I, oh boy. Flavor scientist with a lot of land. My friend Kristen Schmoller Schmoller? I can't remember how to pronounce her last name because it's really tricky spelling, but she used to be like a, a lead flavor scientist at Ben and Jerry's. And the fact that when, when they say scientist, they are scientists. Oh, yeah. I mean, they know, you know, food on a molecular level and it's fascinating. You will build the le- that on your land, this lab. <laughs> I'll let somebody else build a meth lab on the back, <laughs> that kind of thing. So what is the last meal that you had that made you emotional? Hmm. I know you and I both have emotions at the drop of a hanky, but for food, you know, I, I it's, that's hard to say. But with me, for sure, the more I'm enjoying something, the slower I eat it. Yeah, you know, I, I'm a fast eater. I've tried to break out of that, but um, if I'm really, really eating slow, you know that I'm uh, savoring each bite, and that can end up being sort of emotional. Like, yeah, like eating at La Bernadette or or actually Dale Taldy's stuff. Oh, I uh, love his food. Oh, these God. people have such a um, encyclopedic knowledge of a flavor and w- what you can do with it that it's almost, um, I don't want to say religious experience because that's not it, but it's, 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 it's just proof that there's genius out there. Yeah. 
That's what it is. And, you know, it's not something that you that people develop. They do develop it. But genius comes from a, a place where you're ready to accept it. Yeah. No. You're ready to let it happen in your in your you know head. And, you know, uh, to go to La Bernadette and to have two ingredients on there, but this fish is exactly the right fish in the right place, and it's sliced exactly the right way to give you this sort of thing in your palate, and, and there's the right sort of uh, tamari on it. Like, you know, how, how does Eric know how each sauce is going how to... How does he know to combine these things? It's like asking, you know, how does... Bach know to combine this melody with this counterpoint. It, it's because they have something that happens or they allow to happen to them that the rest of us mortals don't channel. Yeah. You know, how did Beethoven write the Sixth Symphony when he was deaf? You know, things like that. It's because somehow it passed through them. And I think that there are some chefs out there with that sort of caliber uh, genius. That's, I I fully agree. I do. I, I, La Bernadette changes things. Oh, my God. Wow. I could go down a rabbit hole in this. But I yeah. Um, Wiley is, also. Debrain, oh, absolutely. Um, is is just absolute proof that genius happens to some people. Yeah. Oh, God. I want to see you two collaborate. And insanely hard work. But, uh, you know, and eating at WD-50 was not a frou-frou experience. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't nitpicky. It was just all amazing. Like you, you, when you got something, you weren't. Um, you kind of wanted to know the technique behind it, but at, at Alinea, for example, the technique is a lot of the the fun of the place. Uh, whereas with Wiley, it was the food. You know, just however he <laughs> however he made that thing. Uh, yeah, you know. And I hope we get more of that. What What is the last meal that somebody cooked for you in their home? Um. Let's see. What is it? Would have been. Oh, not not at my home. So you went over to somebody's house. Boy, I can't even recall. It's, this is this is the thing. It's. I can't. Boy. Somebody invite Doug over. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I, no, I don't think I've been over to anyone else's place to eat, other than just holiday food. Uh, I honestly don't. It's been years. Since anyone invited me over for a meal. We need to fix that. Actually, no. People have invited me. I haven't been able to do it. Uh-huh. So I, it hasn't happened. But in general, there, I don't, there haven't been a lot of invitations. Didn't mean to. Yeah. We're going to change this for yeah, you. Yeah. You know, one of my things about New York City is I don't go out enough. So, yeah. I'll cook for you. Okay. Yay. Fine. So what, who okay. is. Yeah. That's next time you're in town. Okay. Come over to my, and I work now, now we're on to number three or four. Yeah. That was three. Okay. Number four. What living musician would you want to cook for and what would you cook for them? Um, well, I made ice cream for Tommy Lee at his house. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that um, go? <laughs> it was amazing. I, you know, Tommy is as enthusiastic about learning as as you can imagine and uh, I remember explaining to him how emulsifiers work to hold together oil and water. <laughs> You're like, no big deal. Just talking to Tommy Lee about yeah. emulsifiers. And, you know, I just told him, you know, you know, ice cream is like this or, or oils like this, you know, and the molecules don't want to fit together. So you have to put something into the bind them. And he's like, holy shit, man, this is sciency. <laughs> you know, and he just loved it. And I, he has such genuine enthusiasm over stuff. Um, and he's a guy who's, he has, you know, he's made some bad choices, but, <laughs> The guy has been beaten down in so many ways, 
that to know there's such joy in the guy is is wonderful. We went to dinner with him <laughs> and his then girlfriend and um, Dana Delaney at Son of a Gun, <laughs> and uh, that was another fun time. Tommy wasn't drinking then, and he liked to start off with dessert because it was like. No, he's used to having drinks before dinner. Yeah. So he would have a dessert before and after dinner, which I think is so charming. <laughs> That's lovely. Yeah. I oh my gosh. Learning so many things. So who else would it be? Hmm. You know, I always want to meet Paul McCartney, but there's really I don't I wouldn't have a discussion he's with him. He's vegan, isn't I don't, he too? Oh, so. forget him. Yeah. I'll make him a pile of kale. Um <laughs> How about Dave Grohl? Oh, well yeah. Yeah. Because I, I would love to sit and have dinner with him and just let him talk. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Final question. Yeah. You have five minutes for self-care. What do you do? <laughs> you can give the dirty answer. No, I can't. <laughs> I, mean, I, I bet most people automatically jump to what I just jumped to. Um, <laughs> um, I, love, I, I love cleaning my ears. Love cleaning okay. my ears. You- There's something about it. That horrible thing, you know, where you're not Q-tip. supposed to jam a Q-tip in your ear. It feels so good. It's really, there's something about it. Right? It's so strange. You're putting a foreign body where kids, it absolutely shouldn't go. Kids but, don't do this. Oh, it's terrible, but I love jamming Q-tips in my ear. <laughs> you take the full five minutes for the scrape out. And then I'm just jamming it out. Yeah, it's terrible. But yeah, I love... Yeah, and you got to get a good brand of Q-tip. You have, you have to get, to get, the, you have to you have to get Q-tip, Q-tip brand Q-tip. You can't get a store brand. I've um, tried. It oh, it's terrible. And if you get the, it's with like the ones with the... It's like you just poked yourself with a stick. And if you can get the ones with the wooden stick, oh, the ter- Q-tips... terrifying. Would... I love it. Oh, really? <laughs> Those are like something you, you take a, a sample from a person's back, the back of their tongue, you know? <laughs> DNA swab. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I just... Okay, so... I love flossing, too. So oh, I guess this is a lot of face-focused stuff. <laughs> I really enjoy. I got Douglas a water pick. I have a, <laughs> I have a cheap spin brush. Yeah, and I love it. And you know, I'm a, <laughs> a, a really bad grinder, but using a spin brush before bed actually helps me calm my face down. Like because it's very hypnotic. You you just hold the thing and sort of move it along, and and I it actually has helped my grinding a lot. That's so. So basically, you're going to be on your land with you just with my Q-tips. <laughs> Sitting in the middle, yeah. with uh, with making uh, making ice cream sandwiches, cleaning your ears in the middle of your land. That sounds fine, I doesn't the, it? I want this for you. You can come visit. I will. Can you buy the church next door. Oh my god! Thank you. I so want to live next. I also want a, uh, an abandoned church on the edge of the property. I well, I can I think I can hook you up. Dave refuses to live near a graveyard. <laughs> I don't know why that's a thing. It is. I, so you were you and I are going to have a compound upstate. <clears throat> There's land um, right behind. Oh yeah, me. and, and um, you know we also talk about zombie defense and stuff like that around the perimeter and where you'd have the watchtower. <laughs> We're, we have a lot of plans for this place. Oh my god! If you want to follow Doug and his plans for his zombie apocalypse future, you can you can follow it like Big Gay Ice Cream on all the socials, right? Yeah. Yep. They can find you there. I've, they... I've tried to extricate some of myself from our social media feeds because mm-hmm. the brand has to be the brand now. You know, initially it was just sort of me hawking it, but now the brand has to sell the brand. So, um, if they want to s- find what you're doing, you can still get the sense of humor from it, though. I mean, it's yeah. just not much personal stuff. They should. Yeah, look, go to a big gay ice cream shop if you live near one. Go and buy those pints. Demand it from your grocer. Look, no, actually, go to the stores and buy the cones. Yeah, 
Buy, go to our stores to buy the cones. I mean, get the pints too, but... I'm like, if for people who are living out there in the world... If, if you're outside and you get the pints, I really think that we're giving you a great um, adaptation of what our menu means to us. Yeah. You know, it's extension. And we didn't just we didn't just replicate cones. There are some that are based on cones, but we also came up with new stuff, and it was just such a an inspirational process. Yeah. Folks, go and buy these. Seek them out. Seek seek out and go and buy the book and do all of those Our things and, and just fall in love with Our Doug book. Quint like I have. And You know, if you want to listen to more Communal Table. What would I, you do? I would really like it um, for other people to, to listen to Communal Table. And uh, you can find it on, on foodandwine.com. You can find it on our YouTube Online. page. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can find it really anywhere you can get podcasts. It's, um, it's, it, you can get it through your fillings. You can get it uh, if you have an Invisalign. I think you can get it through there. But you also Apple Podcasts and can I get, Spotify uh, I and Stitcher. hearing and it's implant. in both ears. Yeah. Can I get it by Bluetooth somehow? I think can you we, beam right into we, my head? We will, do the, we will do it for you. Okay. Um, Kinsman is in my head. I know it's a terrible place to be, but like, but for I mean, for people, for me to be in people's heads, I'm sorry about that. But if you want more of that, and if you happen to like it, you can leave a comment, you can leave stars because that really helps us out a lot. And, it, and it's part of Food and Wine Pro that has a newsletter that you can subscribe to, and it's all just it's a really lovely thing. You can find me on Twitter at Kitten with a Whip, and I wanted to thank our producers too. Um, we've got Jen Martnick, we've got Hallie. What's your last name? Hallie Tarpley. So, like, doing a wonderful what is it? job. Hallie, what? Tarpley? Tarpley. Oh, Hallie Tarpley. Okay. Um, we've got uh, Douglas Wagner, who wrote our great theme song. Um, it's just a whole bunch of people go together to make this podcast. But you know what I want you to do? Um, well, buy a chapstick? I want people to I want people to take care of themselves oh. until the next time and also buy chapsticks. I've always told people I don't when they mention their chapstick, I don't know why you buy those. If you look at the sidewalk, you're gonna find one. You can get it for free. <laughs> same with same with combs. Just walk to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and they always think I'm serious for a minute. I think you are. So. And, and be well, clean your ears, get some straight chapstick. Take good care of yourself uh, till the next time. Can we go now? <laughs>